in the huge, fantastical underground cavern beneath the surface of Miranda, the smallest of the five moons of Uranus. Dolan, Ivan and Billy are shown the workings of the amazing galleries by which you can be transported through time and space. To demonstrate their power, the king of the big green things sends Ivan the Terrible, the world's worst guitarist, back in time to Elizabethan England, where he meets John Dowland, the great lute player and composer, and learns to play the lute very well, thus losing his nickname. Meanwhile, back on the surface, one-legged, one-armed, one-everythinged Jimbird Flyflower and the crew of the second rocket, that's Crispin Lob Mincing, Bratto, Flipper Pilkington and Father Out, are searching for the three children. They discover the crevasse with the trap door that gives access to the cavern. Jimbird jumps down and presses the button that opens the trap door. yelled Jimbird in discomfort as he landed in the safety net and Ah, Lord's of mercy, what the devil are you? as the king of the big green things approached him. For the king, you will remember, is 500 feet tall, looks rather like a frog and smokes huge cigars. Please, dear sir, said the king, do not distress yourself, you are my guest here. Allow me to assist you down. And so saying, the king gently lifted Jimbird and set him on his foot and crutch on the floor of the cavern. Hey-ho! cried Jimbird, embracing Dolan, Ivan and Billy. So this is where you got to, me young varmints. Why didn't you give old Jimbird a call on your radios, eh? The three were embarrassed, for in their excitement at discovering the incredible cavern, they'd quite forgotten Jimbird Flyflower and their spaceship, on the surface of Miranda. Sorry, Jimbird. We really meant to. Dolan gabbled. But this place is so fantastic, I suppose we forgot. It's marvellous. It makes its own air. It's got a crystal that traps sunshine. And the king here... The king of the big green things bowed his huge green head solemnly. It's just so clever. There's these galleries, you see. And you can go anywhere in them and Ivan's been back to the 16th century and learnt to play the lute and play for Queen Elizabeth and got into a fight and... Jimbird held up his hand and smiled. Enough me, child. Now didn't I tell you that the universe was full of wonders? Just so, said the king. Now I gather you have some more companions on the surface. Perhaps you'd be so good as to call them up on your radio so they too can be my prisoner... Um, my guests. Was you about to say, uh, prisoners, King? No, no, no. A mere nothing. A slip of the tongue. And with a tongue the size of yours, that could be quite a slip, smiled Ivan. There was an uncomfortable pause. Eventually, Jimbird said, Well, King, there must be an easier way in this place than that there trap door and safety net. Give me a bit of a turn, we gotta admit. Of course, of course, agreed the king smoothly. If your friends are still standing at the crevasse, you must tell them to turn their backs on the sun, and they'll then be facing some small hills at the foot of a range of mountains. Tell them to go to the one on their extreme right, where they will find a remarkably smooth round boulder. 
They must roll this to one side, step smartly past it before it rolls itself back into place. It sits at the bottom of a depression in the ground and is a rudimentary self-closing door. And then they will find themselves inside a hill at the top of a rather long, very straight flight of stairs. They simply walk down these stairs and emerge over there. And the king pointed to a little doorway next to a small, tinkling waterfall. Jim Bird radioed the instructions up to Lob Mincing. Well, that's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? said Crispin Lob Mincing to Jim Bird over the radio. Never mind that, Crispin, me boy. Just get yourself and the others down here. I've a feeling we'll be needing your company. Jim Bird's voice crackled over the radio. Now then, have you got all the details? Yes, mate, said Crispin. And I reckon it'll take us about half an hour to get there. He turned to his crew. You lot ready then? Of course, said Bratto. Rather, said Flipper. Ah, lead on, Macduff, said Father Out. Big ab. The galleries, Jimbird had to admit, were quite fabulous. Although you could get any one of them to take you anywhere, they seemed to work best if you concentrated on their specialities. For instance, if you wanted to see Columbus discovering America, you were better off using the gallery marked Navigation than the one marked Warfare, as Dolan had discovered. Dolan had entered the gallery named Warfare and picked out 1492 on the transporter box, but had ended up in the year 1519 and witnessed the Spanish invasion of the Kingdom of the Aztecs instead. Dolan found this unpleasant and saddening. Dolan also tried, foolishly, to alter the course of history by picking out the word Waterloo and the year 1815. Dolan arrived in Napoleon's tent on the eve of the battle, rather precipitately, thus knocking over a bottle of brandy on the table. Dolan was aware of an angry eye glaring from beneath a triangular hat. Its owner, with one hand thrust into the front of his tunic, surveyed the embarrassed Dolan with disdain. That, he said, was my last battle. Never mind that, Monsieur Bonaparte, cried Dolan. Listen, you've got to call off the battle. The Duke of Wellington will win... And you'll lose 40,000 men, please. I will tell you three things, said Bonaparte. Number one, I am confident of the victory because I am the best master in the military maneuvers. Number two, I am always right. And number three, if you're not out of my room in five seconds... I will have you shots. Dolan knew then that it was no use. Press the recall button and return to the cavern. You will like it here, with all my fabulous toys to play with, the king was saying. Thank you kindly, king. We appreciate your hospitality. But we'll have to be moving on pretty soon. Uh... We got a sight of ground to cover. Dolan, Ivan and Billy 
nodded in regretful agreement. After all, those galleries were really too good to be true. You couldn't spend your life getting so much for nothing. You had to make an effort to do things on your own now and again. They were all seated at a table at the king's feet. Enjoying a meal of fried fish, chips and bread and butter, the king really was very clever at producing things. When his majesty struck. Speaking quickly to a group of the relatively big green things, he gestured in the direction of the gypsies. The relatively big green things, who looked like smaller versions of the king, being only about ten feet tall, with heads like mice, moved in, squeaking. In no time at all, the place was in a pandemonium. As children struggled with relatively big green things, and relatively big green things fought with Jimbird Flyflower. Every time one of the gypsies escaped the clutches of their captors, another ten would surround him. Thus they were made prisoner and put into a cell, complete with iron-barred door and a huge padlock. You see, my friends, said the king, once you become familiar with the wonders of my cavern, I cannot afford to let you escape in case you tell the secret to the world outside and I'm besieged by hordes of people trying to get in. You see, they will upset the delicate ecological balance I've built and they'll trample my beautiful plants, they'll eat all my fish, they'll use up all my oxygen. In short, they will poison my world. But you've no need to be worrying your head about all that, said Jimbird, for we're travellers, not just tourists, and we can keep a secret, can't we, Millitlands? The three children, who were badly frightened, nodded silent agreement. Nevertheless, my small friends, I'm afraid I must regard you as my permanent companions. I simply dare not take the chance of your escaping. The escape, when it happened, about an hour later, was so easy that Dolan often wondered afterwards whether the king had deliberately arranged it. It was like one of those familiar scenes from an old western. The king had gone to sleep, as had all his subjects. His great chest rose and fell like ocean waves, and his rumbling snores shook the very walls of the cavern. When he exhaled, he made a very rude noise indeed. Their jailer, who was of course one of the relatively big green things, was seated on the ground, his back against the outside cell wall, and the key... well... It was just dangling from his waist. Had the king set it up, Dolan would never find out, but had a pretty shrewd idea. But if he had, then why go to all this trouble? Why not just let them go? Dolan thought it was all probably down to that point about getting so much for nothing. Plucking a long twig from the earth, Dolan bent the end and hooked the key out of the relatively big green thing's belt. The relatively big green thing squeaked a bit but didn't wake up. And silently, Dolan unlocked the door. The gypsies all got into their separate spacesuits and picked up their helmets, Ivan also collecting his loot. He really did like that loot. Silently too, they swung open the door. Dolan thought the king's eyelid flickered a little as they stepped outside. And silently, they tiptoed across the cavern to the little door by the tinkling waterfall. It was locked. 
The gypsies looked at one another in puzzlement. What to do? The king stirred, scratched the top of his head and rolled over. Dolan got the message. Reaching up to the top of the door frame, Dolan found the key. In no time, they were through. Ivan tripped on the bottom stair and dropped the loot with a tremendous clatter, loud enough to wake the dead. Or at least the relatively big green things. They heard a sudden frantic squeaking from inside and knew that their escape was discovered. Run for it, mates! cried Jimbird Flyflower and proceeded to hop and crutch it up the stairs at a remarkable rate. Come on now! he shouted. And don't drop your helmets! Jimbird, Dolan, Billy and Ivan raced up the stairs. It was a terribly long way. As they neared the top, they all heard an approaching gaggle of squeaks, getting louder and louder by the second. The relatively big green things were after them, and they were gaining fast. Billy shouted in fear as he felt one of them grab for his foot. They had only a few more steps to go. They were sweating into their spacesuits. Their helmets, which they'd now put on, were beginning to steam up, and their lungs felt as if they were on fire. Dolan kicked free from a green hand that clasped around the ankle of his silver space boot. Jimbird bashed at another that entangled his crutch. They were about to be overpowered when the large round boulder at the top of the stairs rolled sideways. The relatively big green things fell back from the bright sunlight, which they didn't like. And Dolan and the gypsies were free. Good thing you left your radio suit switched on, Jimbird, said Lob Mincing. Otherwise, we shouldn't have known what was happening to you. Harwell, it's the simple things as counts in the long run, said Jimbird. Anyway, we're free, thanks to this young person here. Jimbird pointed at Dolan. We're free! Shouted Dolan in glee. We're free! free! Echoed Ivan and Billy. Tis free, that you are, and all, said Father Out. Big up. <laughs> <laughs> 